everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and back for the first time in 2017. Happy New Year, everyone. And over here at the MCS headquarters, we're planning out the year and working on new ways to reach more of our fellow patriots and bring you even better combat and survival tips. And one of the things that we've been getting feedback on is to offer shorter podcasts focused on maybe just one or two useful tips that can be used right away by our listeners. Well, it's worth a shot. And this week, I was able to connect with a friend of mine fresh out of an African hot zone to share a great tip that you can use for prepping your handgun for a close quarters ambush. Now, this is real-world advice from someone who regularly bets his life on his skills and his equipment. So, take this tip to heart and see if it works for your own self-protection plan. And be sure to leave us feedback on the blog about how you like the shorter, more focused format versus our longer podcast episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so go to our website for this week's podcast episode and sound off. Now, let's jump into our interview and our combat quick tip of the week. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. When selecting a handgun, a lot of gun owners are thinking about how the firearm will perform at the range. How does it feel in your hand? How do the sights look? How tight are the shot groups and the magazine articles that you've read? Now, these, of course, are all factors to consider and all can play a role in what you carry or have at the ready for home defense. But a recent conversation I had with a friend of mine reinforced that to truly be focused on protecting yourself and those you love with a firearm, you also have to look beyond the magazine articles, beyond the range tests, and take the gun store guru's advice with a grain of salt and pay close attention to how that firearm is designed to perform in a real gunfight. Now, some firearms may have inherent challenges that you may not be aware of in the relaxed environment of your local gun range. But when you're ambushed in close quarters and have to put that firearm into action to stop an attacker, you may find out the hard way that your gun is working against you when your adrenaline is kicked up to infinity or that there was something that you could have done to enhance its combat performance. And in fact, today we have a possible factor that you may not have thought of and an easy fix that might just save your life in a criminal ambush. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is my friend, a full-time military contractor and trainer who knows firsthand what it's like to have to depend on your firearm each and every day to get you home alive. Back to the program, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, yeah, good to have you back here in the States for a little while and uh, and be able to get this knocked out. So, listen, everyone, this is one of my most prized interviews when I can get him on the phone because he's typically off in some armpit of the other side of the globe performing boots-on-the-ground protection details in some of the world's most dangerous hot zones like Africa, Iraq, Afghanistan, Lebanon, and Central America. He's a combat veteran of the U.S. Army and the former director of operations for studies. His over 13 years of real-world combat and protective experience have made him a valuable resource for military contractors, protection professionals, soldiers, police officers, 
and civilians who are looking to go beyond traditional outdated practices and only want the tactics that they can depend on that really work for getting you home alive at the end of the day. And this was experience that was born out of real-world hostile contact in live-or-die situations. In fact, in the war zones that he operates in as a full-time military contractor. But those field notes turned into valuable life-or-death resources for other contractors and military to fast-track their tactical abilities and make it through to the next day. And you can read more about training at his website at www.com. You and I were talking recently about firearm selection and how important like someone's personal choices when it comes to how that weapon is going to actually perform outside of the range when you're in a real gunfight. And a lot of people know from my interviews that I carry a Glock 19 and Glock 26 as my personal carry weapons. And I know that you've never, you've never really been a Glock guy before, partially because of some natural challenges with sighting and target acquisition when it comes to close quarters attacks. But there are other weapon platforms that are going to suffer from this area as well. So first, tell us why target acquisition is such an important consideration when it comes to someone's firearm selection and and or the modifications that they do to those when they're wanting to be prepared for a close quarters encounter. But then come in with the with a fix that you discovered that someone can use to overcome some inherent problems that a lot of these guns have in this area. Sure, Joe. Well, uh, as you know and other shooters know, target acquisition is extremely, extremely important. I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, if you want to go home, from a violent encounter, um, you're going to need to be able to quickly get your weapon up on that target and be able to put accurate fire downrange. Um, Actually, let me uh, let me interject here that I don't think a lot of people do get that right because I mean the way the, when you look at the way that most people are training, even in the military, like in the military we had pop up targets, we have you know the, the rifle range and everything, but. But really, nothing's coming at you typically. So I don't think most people, like target acquisition is, okay, I have my weapon up and, you know, I'm shooting at a static target. Like I don't think people don't get force-on-force type training or even seek it out that they even understand that. Um, Maybe not. You know, that's a a very valid point you bring up. And and I guess maybe I take that for granted just because of all the time that I've spent overseas. It just, you know, after a while becomes, it just becomes natural. Um, but being able to identify the threat immediately, being able to get your 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 platform, and in this case we're talking about pistols, onto the target and being able to put rounds downrange, you know, effectively is extremely important, especially if you want to be able to walk away from that violent encounter. Um, the issue that I've always had is sometimes your your brain gets overloaded. When you're in a hostile environment, when a hundred things are happening at one time, you're trying to get yourself into that combat mindset. You're trying to get yourself uh, into the zone, as you would say. And and sometimes there's little factors that get in the way of that that can interfere with with being able to to perform um, perform in a, in a in a more natural uh, way when you're engaging targets, or if you have to engage in a target. Uh, one of the things that I've always found, especially, I'll say the Glock, is, as we have discussed, I'm not a Glock guy. And a few years ago, when I was when I was working in uh, a North African country, I had the opportunity of meeting a a former member of uh, First SFOD Delta. And during my conversation with with that individual, he gave me some really really good advice on something that you could do with the Glock that that he had done and he knew other operators had done. 
Well, a lot of times on the Glock, and, I, and I'm not, not bad-mouthing Glock. I know there's a lot of Glock fans out there. Uh, but for the interview, I'm going to just focus on the Glock. So all you haters out there know that I'm not bashing the Glock. I'm, I'm just using it as an example for, for this uh, talk today. But with respect to it, on the, on the back of a lot of Glocks, you know, you have these tritium sights, you have these the bright white square or maybe the two dots that are on the on the rear gun sight. And a lot of times when you are, you know, quickly trying to get your, your weapon on target, your mind sometimes plays some, some tricks with you. You're, you're trying to, to line everything up like you're supposed to do, like you're taught. And this, and a lot of times, causes problems. I mean, when, when you need to get, as we were saying earlier on, um, for target acquisition, you want to be able to get that gun on target right away and effectively start putting fire down range. Now, one of the issues is the rear sight. It, it confuses. It just does. And, and with me, I'm no different sometimes. So the trick that was, was taught to me was to take a black shark bee pen. And, and on the back of the sight, you just black that out. So when you're finding the target, you're going to have that nice little white dot on the front of the Glock to acquire on the target right away. And then you're going to just go ahead, and it's a lot easier than to line up the rear sight with the front sight. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I think because speed is really one of your biggest factors. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's like the first one typically to get to get around into the other person and get them on the defensive rather than thinking about them shooting at you is really what's going to you know, is one of those important factors that's going to save your life. And the thing is, is that when it comes to a gunfight, it's not seconds that count. It's like fractions of a second. And it right. makes total sense because most people are training to use both sites. And they might even be training under pressure to do that. But still, the brain, even as you bring that up, your your brain is going to see two sites. Whether you are trying to teach yourself to just focus in on the front sight or not, the fact is, is that there is another site that is in your visual sight path, and it and it can cost fractions of a second. Right. Now, the same thing with the sharpie. I mean, if 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 you go to the range, and you do it and you like it, you know, there's always a problem that maybe the 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 ink is going to come off. So another quick fix for this is to actually take the Glock rear sight off, either using a punch or using you know one of the Glock uh, tools, and you're going to just turn it around. So the white, either the white two dots or the full white um, lines that are on the rear of the sight are now going to be turned around facing towards the front sight. So you'll have, you know, the black sights in the rear. And, you know, that's what I've actually done on, on, on the Glock that, that uh, I do carry for work. Um, and I've just found that it, it makes it much easier for quick target acquisition um, for you know, I, I, I do practice using the front sight post when I shoot, um, but if you're going through still all the steps, you know, finding that target using the front sight post and then quickly lining up the rest, um, you're going to, I think you'll see by doing this, you're going to increase your, your shooting time and your accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a great tip. I and mean, we talk a lot about how most attacks aren't happening from far away. Now you're, you're oftentimes in a combat situation, but you've got, you've got a rifle for longer distance. You have other weapon platforms that you can depend on. But for most people that are carrying for personal carry, concealed carry, or using it for home defense, 
it's going to be in short range and you are not necessarily going to need that back sight. So this might be a challenge for most people to try and get over that that typical gun range training thing where you're going down and you're trying to get a tight shot group and it's nice and relaxed. But when we're talking about a realistic attack that you might experience, you know, this can be, this can literally shave fractions of a second or even seconds off of your actual target acquisition to be able to be the first one to get led into meat as, as we say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he, and here's the other thing, because I know there's going to be people out there listening to this and they're thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm going to need my rear sight under certain circumstances, right? Like the most, the thing I would think of the most would be like an active shooter scenario where maybe it's not somebody who is trying to rob you, but it's somebody who's maybe a little bit further away. Maybe they're not shooting at you, so you have a little bit more time to be able to get a better sight picture. And of course, your rear sight is going to come in helpful then, right? Like it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to help you get a more accurate sight picture and take that person out. But but here's the thing. With this, whether you black out the, the rear sight or whether you flip it around, you're not giving up your rear sight. So you still have the physical structure of that rear sight and you can get that front sight post level with your rear sight. You can still use it for a longer distance shot if you need to. You're just preparing your weapon for the most likely scenario that you're gonna face, which is gonna be a no warning attack, an ambush, a criminal right up in your face where you're not gonna have a lot of time to react to it. Right, and there's you know actually one other aspect that, that I think your, your listeners to, to understand. Um, let's look at vehicle operations for a minute. If you're driving inside of a car, and, and I'm not saying inside, per se, the same environments I work at, but let's say that you're driving, you're going to the grocery store, and somebody tries to jack you as soon as you're coming out of the vehicle. Now, if you're in, if you decide to make that decision to fight it out, and you reach for your sidearm, whatever it is, um, you're not going to have time to line up everything. You're going to need to right away look at that front sight post and engage. Plain and simple. You're not going to have time to to go through the steps that maybe you're you're learning when you go to one of the pistol ranges, and they're telling you, okay, make sure the rear sight is lined up with the front sight. Good sight picture. Go ahead and pull the trigger. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, that's a way to do it. But in an actual situation where your life or your family's life, you know, could be at risk, you need to be able to engage that target and get rid get rid of the threat as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great tip, man. Listen, everybody, this is, um, this is something you can test out yourself and you don't, doesn't matter whether you have a Glock or Glock or whether it's some other weapon platform, it still applies. And so try it down at the range. Next time you go, just go ahead and take either a Sharpie with you or if you just want to take some like black electrical tape or something that you can take away that rear sight, go ahead and test it out and see how quickly that you can get that, that target acquisition get the rounds down range, and you're not shooting for a bullseye here. You're looking for something that's going to effectively be able to stop an attacker. See if it doesn't work out fine for you, and then go ahead and make these modifications if you really are carrying for personal carry or something where you're going to be in a close quarters environment. You might find it could actually save your life. So in a hostile environment, how to save your life. It's a great book. Check it out at until our next Modern Combat Trail broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson reminding you to prepare now, train harder, and you will survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. 
You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.